Sunday blessings to you all. This is the Lord's Day, the day of resurrection that commences a new week and offers a new opportunity to be drawn by grace more deeply into the paschal mystery of Jesus Christ. Through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, may each of us graciously respond to Jesus' invitation to live more deeply his passion, death, and glorious resurrection and ascension, and be drawn into loving communion with God our Father. You are listening to Encountering Jesus with the Church Fathers, a podcast pondering patristic commentary and insight on the sacred scriptures, the sacred liturgy, and living as a disciple of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Father Mark, and I welcome you to this podcast on the second Sunday in Ordinary Time. Guiding us this Sunday in opening the Word of God once again is Origin of Alexandria. Regarded as an ancient Christian writer, he undeniably influenced many of the great fathers of the Church as well as believers and theologians throughout the centuries. He died around the year 254, approximately six months after being released from prison, during which he was relentlessly tortured for his devotion and faith in Jesus Christ. Origen was a prolific writer and many of his writings are extant and relatively accessible. On this Sunday, we listen to an excerpt from Book 6 of his commentary on the Gospel of John. There are five animals which are offered on the altar three being land animals, and two winged animals. It seems worthwhile to me to ask why the Savior is said to be a lamb by John and none of the rest. But also, in the case of the land animals, since three ages are offered according to each species, Why did he name the lamb from the species of sheep? Now these are the five animals. A young bull, a sheep, a goat, a turtle dove, a pigeon. And these are the three ages of each of the land animals. A young bull, a bull, a calf, a ram, a lamb, a little lamb, a he-goat, a she-goat, and a kid. And of the winged animals, a pair of nestling pigeons only, a faultless pair of turtle doves. Therefore, He who desires to understand accurately the spiritual meaning concerning the sacrifices must investigate 
for what heavenly things these animals served as an example and shadow. And for what reason, the word ordains that each of the animals be sacrificed, and in particular, he must collect the things said about the lamb. The apostle says somewhere that the discussion about the sacrifices ought to be understood about certain heavenly mysteries, which serve for an example and shadow of heavenly things. And again, it is necessary, therefore, that the pattern of heavenly things should be cleansed with these. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. But once one has discovered each of these, it is a task which far surpasses human nature to be able to understand the truth of the spiritual law which has come through Jesus Christ. This is a task for none other than the perfect man who has, by practice, his senses exercised to the discerning of good and evil, who is able to say from his truthful disposition, but we speak wisdom among the perfect. It is possible to say truthfully of these matters and matters like them, which none of the princes of this world knew. We find the Lamb, however, offered in the perpetual sacrifices. Thus it is written, And these are what you shall offer upon the altar, two blameless lambs, a year old daily upon the altar continually, a perpetual offering. You shall offer the one lamb in the morning, and the second lamb you shall offer in the evening. With the one lamb a tenth part of flour mixed with beaten oil, the fourth part of a hin, and a libation of wine, the fourth part of a hin. And you shall offer the second lamb in the evening according to the first sacrifice and its libation. You shall offer a pleasing odor, an offering to the Lord, a perpetual sacrifice unto your generations at the door of the tent of testimony before the Lord, where I will command the children of Israel, and I will be sanctified in my glory, and I will sanctify the tent of testimony." What other perpetual sacrifice can be spiritual to a spiritual being than the word in his prime, the word symbolically called lamb, which is sent down at the time the soul is illuminated? For this would be the perpetual morning sacrifice. And is again taken up at the end of the mind's time spent among things more divine. For it cannot always continue to be among the higher things, insofar as it has been ordained 
that the soul be yoked with a body, and that is earthly and weighed down. But if someone should ask what the saint will do between dawn and evening, let him infer the principle from those matters related to the cult, and then follow it in these matters too. For there also the priests offer the perpetual sacrifice as the beginning of sacrifices, but next, before the perpetual evening sacrifice, they offer the other sacrifices according to the law, such as those concerning transgression, or involuntary sins, or salvation, or a vow, or jealousy, or the Sabbath, or the new moon, and the rest, which should be too long to discuss at the present moment. In the same way, then, we too, after we, we have begun our offering with an explanation of the image, which is the Christ, we will be able to comprehend many things that are very beneficial. And again, when we have left off in these matters regarding Christ, we shall arrive at evening, as it were, and night coming also to corporeal matters. But if we examine the declaration about Jesus, who is pointed out by John in the words, This is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. From the standpoint of the dispensation itself, of the bodily sojourn of the Son of God in the life of men, we will assume that the Lamb is none other than his humanity. For he was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and was dumb as a lamb before its shearer, saying, I was as an innocent lamb being led to sacrifice. This is why in the Apocalypse also, a little lamb is seen standing as though slain. The lamb, indeed, which was slain in accordance with certain secret reasons, has become the expiation of the whole world. In accordance with with the Father's love for man, he also submitted to slaughter on behalf of the world, purchasing us with his own blood from him who brought us when we had sold ourselves to sin. He, however, who led this lamb to the sacrifice was God in man, the great high priest who reveals this through the saying, No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. The remaining sacrifices, of which those relating to the law are a symbol, are akin to this sacrifice. But in addition 
the other sacrifices akin to this sacrifice seem to me to be the shedding of the blood of the noble martyrs. It was not in vain that the disciple John saw them standing beside the heavenly altar. But who is wise that he shall understand these things, or intelligent, and he shall know them? Now, to comprehend, even if to a limited extent, the more spiritual sense of such sacrifices which cleanse those for whom they are offered, one must understand the sense of the sacrifice of the daughter of the Jephite, who was offered as a holocaust because of the vow of him who conquered the children of Ammon. She who was offered as a holocaust consented to this vow, for when her father said, I have opened my mouth to the Lord against you. She said to him, And if you have opened your mouth to the Lord against me, perform your vow. Such accounts give an appearance of great cruelty to God, to whom such sacrifices are offered for the salvation of men. We need a generous and perceptive spirit in order to refute the reproaches made against providence and, at the same time, to make a defense of all the sacrifices insofar as they are rather mysterious and beyond human nature. For the judgments of God are great and hard to narrate, For this reason, uneducated souls went astray. But it has also been attested among the pagans that many delivered themselves as victims for the common good when destructive diseases were rampant. The faithful Clement, of whom Paul testifies when he says, With Clement and the rest of my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life, accepts, and not without reason, that these things happened in this way because he believed in the histories. These things prescribed concerning the martyrs also have a similar absurdity in the judgment of one who wishes to denounce the mysteries which elude most people. For it pleased God that we submit to all the most painful tortures while confessing his divinity, rather that we be delivered from what are thought to be such great evils for a short time by accommodating ourselves in speech to the will of the enemies of the truth. We must hold, therefore, that a dissolution of maleficent powers occurs through the death of the holy martyrs. The martyrs' endurance and confession until death and zeal for their godliness blunts, as it were, the sharpness of their treachery against the sufferer. Consequently, when their power is blunted 
and exhausted. There are many others, in addition, who have already been conquered, who are set at ease because they are freed from the weight with which the attacking evil powers were oppressing and harming them. In addition, those who would have suffered if those who inflict wicked things on others had not been exhausted, no longer experiencing suffering since he who has offered such a sacrifice has conquered this adverse power. The following illustration is useful, at least in part, in relation to what I have just said. He who destroys a venomous animal, or lulls it to sleep with a charm, or by some power empties it of venom, benefits many who would later suffer something from it. But, if it had not been destroyed or lulled to sleep or emptied of its venom. Moreover, if one who had earlier been bitten should become aware that there is a deliverance from the harm caused by the bite, if he should fix his gaze on the animal which injured him dying, or tread on its corpse, or touch it when it is dead, or taste some part of it, the healing and kindness from him who destroyed the harmful animal would affect him also who had suffered earlier. We must conceive that something like this occurs in the death of the most godly martyrs, since many are benefited from their death by some ineffable power. All holy men and women, pray for us. Let us pray. Almighty, ever-living God, who govern all things, both in heaven and on earth, mercifully hear the pleading of your people and bestow your peace on our times. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Go and announce the Gospel of the Lord.